to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me is Lieutenant Colonel Chris Dashu. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I am here, and uh, I'm excited to talk Barney Miller. It feels like it's been forever since we talked about the man in the 12th precinct. We are covering three episodes on this podcast tonight. Horse Thief, which aired originally November 20th, 1975. Rain, which aired November 27th, 1975, and Fish, which aired December 4th, 1975. Bing, bang, boom. Three episodes in a row. The first one, Horse Thief, this is one that I actually, I think, was talking to you about a while ago. This is the one with the guy who was desecrating the flag in Wojciechowicz's eyes. Of the three, this one was the strongest for me. I laughed out loud several times while I was watching this one. I find it funny. There is a character in this show who gets as triggered, essentially, as Wojciechowicz does by expression of free speech. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. I mean, I know I get where his character is coming from, but it's it's such a weird thing in a show from 76. And, you know, you hear Barney talking about when they changed it. That's how recent all of this is. And that's so interesting to me as someone, you know, who lives in a in a contemporary time where, you know, you see people doing things to the flag that maybe you don't agree with. But again, it's federally protected free speech. There are obviously consequences for free speech, as this character in the show obviously learns. But it's interesting to see characters in a TV show grappling with something that is so recent for them in the real world. Yeah, it's like how you're not supposed to go up and hug and kiss a United States flag. Or, like, put it on stuff. Or sell things with the American flag's picture on it. Those things are all no-nos. Just so we're all on the same page. But hey, don't tell other people that. I had a friend who is an Eagle Scout. Well, I still have a friend, and he's still an Eagle Scout. I think once you're an Eagle Scout, you're always an Eagle Scout. It's true. I am an Eagle Scout as well. He would tell me all about the flag rules and all of these things that go on around the flag. I had no idea all of those things, like the whole thing of, you know, the flag, the U.S. flag has to be the highest flag. If you're going to have a whole group of them, it has to be the highest one of all of them when you're in the United States. The whole thing about if the flag touches the ground, then you're going to have to burn it. And yes, you are supposed to burn a flag once it gets desecrated. It's true. And you're also supposed to fold a flag a certain way. There are a lot of really antiquated rules. And I, I mean, I, I I understand the rules as someone who lives in this country and understands what the flag means. It is hilarious, though, <laughs> because so like you said, so many people don't know. So it, it is it's kind of odd to when you say something like you're saying now, like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, like, I don't blame you because it was beaten into me as Boy Scout. Not physically beaten into me, but, like, that whole thing of, like, oh, my God, be careful, don't touch the flag, don't let the flag touch the ground. Like, that whole thing. Like, I remember being an Eagle Scout. Like you said, still am an Eagle Scout. But I remember when I was active in Scouts and, like, everybody got very antsy when people would bring the flags in and take the flags out. Little cultish for me, but what do I know? If you have a flag outside of your house right now and it's dark, shame on you. You better have a spotlight on that flag. That's why I wave the gay pride flag in front of my house. There are no rules for that. Day, night. It could be on the ground. It could be on your head. Nobody cares. <laughs> Frankly, people would rather hope I didn't show it at all. But they can go fuck themselves. I do like the Wojohowicz character. It shows some depth of the character 
that we don't normally get to see. There's parts of the Wojohowitz character, and I know we've, we both have talked about this a lot with the show, is the Wojohowitz character is a, it's not a problematic character, but he, he seems to be the character who's, quote, with the times, but at the same time, he's clearly out of time as a character, like this episode. I mean, there's no way he didn't realize that that was the case with the American flag, given the fact that he's a former Marine. But it's interesting to see him get a little bit of growth as a character. Yeah, that was nice. But then you have a guy stealing a horse. Played by Liam Dunn, who I mostly know as the priest from Blazing Saddles. As your spiritual leader, I implore you to pay heed to this good book and what it has to say. Son, you're on your own. One of our other stories is about this guy, Mr. Franklin, who's played by Jack Dodson, who I believe was Ralph Mouth's father on Happy Days, but I mostly know him as Howard from the Andy Griffith show. He's such a great character actor, and he comes in, he was beaten up in his hotel room, and he refuses to say that anybody was there with him. And it's just to cover his honor, because he's a married man, and he was beaten up by a prostitute. A very good-looking, intimidating prostitute. Who is selling Bicentennial buttons for $60 a pop. So she's selling sex for $60 a pop. Exactly, which is really cheap, especially compared to today's rates. <laughs> I was about to say, that's cheap. $60 for all the way? Good lord. Normally it's like, what is it, 60 bucks for... Oh, I forget the terminology... Like a handy, maybe, these days. B- BJ, maybe, but, like, protected... <laughs> Again, the show, obviously, it, date, it it dates itself a lot of the time just from the look of the show. But yeah, $60? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that I frequent sex workers, but $60 in 2020 does not get you anything. There's no way. <laughs> no. No way that it does. Maybe some crack whore off of Craigslist. That's whoa, about it. Whoa. Whoa. Holy shit. Let's move. Crack whore. Is that how much I'm worth to you? $60? We should probably say that we found each other via Craigslist. Looking for podcast partner. <laughs> also slash crack whores. Um, <laughs> it is a very Wojohowitz-centric episode for part of it. Like the 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 main plot, the, the flag plot is Wojohowitz-centric. And then I I do really like the horse the horse story because it, it does have a little twist a little wrinkle to it that you might not see coming but it's again it's a it's a sitcom so they're always trying to subvert your expectations with comedy a little bit and i like it and you know the character played by liam dunn is rather sympathetic as well so there is that well, and it's interesting, Harris is working mayoral duty uh, for the Bicentennial. This It's strange that this episode is coming out in November of 70, 75, sorry. And so we're before the Bicentennial, and we're nowhere near July, but obviously they would be on summer reruns for July. So maybe this would hit right around that time for summer reruns. It's pretty funny to know that this came out nowhere near the actual, <laughs> the actual Bicentennial. It's like, okay. But they were kind of right. New York was fucking crazy in 76. I mean, New York, Philadelphia, like all the the centers of liberty around uh, the Bicentennial were just crazy. Just so many parties. I mean, I remember them, uh, they were what, working on the Statue of Liberty around that time, uh, re-facing some of it. It took a lot longer than it should have. 
there was a lot of stuff going on in 76. So, and you can tell not only are we uh, talking about Harris and the mayor, but the mayor runs out of gas. So again, we're going back to the gas crisis, which was great. And then there's even a, a reference to a Carl Malden commercial because he was shilling for uh, what American Express uh, traveler's checks. Don't leave home without them. So there's even like, a, hey, don't leave home without it. You know, talk to Carl Malden kind of thing. What you don't listen to Carl Malden? (laughs) Okay, like man, that's that's the funny thing about this show. Some of the references would go over my head if I didn't Google them. (laughs) So I mean, that's the thing. Like I consider myself rather well versed in pop culture, but like even I have blind spots when it comes to the age of pop culture references. And that was I was like, okay, I've heard the name Carl Malden before, but I didn't know what it was in connection to Traveler's Checks. I mean, I remember traveling with my family overseas in the late 90s, early 2000s, and my parents had traveler's checks. That was a thing. You know, it was the safe way to travel with money, right? It's dangerous to carry cash. Carry American Express traveler's checks. If they're lost or stolen, you can get them back. Your vacation is protected. American Express traveler's checks. Don't leave home without them. Very, very solid episode, and I did laugh quite a few times. I just had a really good time with this one. And then the Bicentennial shows up again in the next episode, Rain. It's, again, part of, it's, I would say in Rain, it's less of the focus and more of the punchline, a, a, a side plot punchline, obviously. It is it is weird because you have two episodes that, again, for a lot of folks my age in 2020, like the Bicentennial is just a thing that happened that we have no frame of reference for, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, like, that's, you know, like the Bicentennial happened... I may get to see one in my lifetime in 50 years. It'll be the tricentennial, right? Is that a thing? Yeah, it will be. If I, well, it will be regardless of whether or not I'm here. Um, <laughs> and if there's a country around by that. <laughs> that's, that's true. One can hope there isn't, but hey, you know what? I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a nihilist and an anarchist. So it is funny though, because you have a character uh, who's making jokes about the bicentennial that aren't funny oh they are so bad the thing i liked the most about that was when his agent shows up and when the owner of the comedy club show up because these two guys phil Leeds is the guy that plays his agent and stanley brock is the guy that plays the owner of the comedy club and it's almost like at some point they pass the torch like because phil Leeds was like the character actor for so many years and just would show up in these little comedy parts he's got this great kind of turtle-like look to him. And then Stanley Brock, who unfortunately passed away, gosh, probably right around the time that he did UHF, um, he was so great and just showed up in so many things and was such a great character actor as well and had this great deadpan uh, look to him. He was in um, Amazon Women in the Moon. This used to be me, all before my years, ignored by women, Passed over for promotions, but now all that has changed. He was uh, he was a great great uh, comic actor, and here he is playing it completely straight because Sidney Miller as Jackie Ace, the bicentennial comic. I guess that's all his shtick at this point. He is so not good. So Stanley Brock is in Hard to Kill, the Steven Seagal film, which is why I I recognize him. I mean, the whole UHF connection is obviously that's the big one. Because he has such a big part in that movie. 
the Phil Leeds character and the Sidney Miller character, like the, those three together, Sidney Miller, Phil Leeds, and Stanley Brock, they're so good together that whenever, like, the interplay between the three of them is good. The interplay between Sidney Miller and Phil Leeds is good, but when Stanley Brock shows up, it's even better. And it, it adds another wrinkle to it because Stanley Brock is just not having any of this at all. We, we should note, though, because since we're covering this entire show, and I think we'd be remiss without mentioning it, this is the first appearance of the Yamana makes bad coffee gag. Yes, because he's taking water that's dripping from the ceiling and using that for coffee. Oh. It makes me fucking sick to my stomach to think about it. Like that, that is fucking vile and with an emphasis on fucking because it is fucking vile. Like that is, who knows how high up on the building they are? I mean, I assume are they on the roof or, um, they must be the top floor. Maybe I mean it would if they're not. That's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> like, this building is essentially shot full of holes, and it's just leaking like a sieve. I assume they're on the top floor. Yeah, with how fast the guy can go up to the roof and come back, I'm yeah. guessing they have to be very close to the top, if not the top floor. But with the amount of smog and the amount of shit on the top of the building in between them and it's just like Yamana's character I mean obviously this is a gag that will perpetuate through the rest of the show but oh man what a way to start the gag like I'm gonna take the rainwater it's good all the mold filters out the impurities and then uh Harris said this coffee tastes like a roof what and then what does Yamana say if you want better coffee get married he's like oh it's great never mind (laughs) it's I mean, again, when the show is firing on all cylinders, like it is in this episode, in, this, in these three episodes, frankly, not to kind of give away the final episode of our thoughts, but when it's firing on all cylinders, it's just, it's absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. There's that weird thing of like, at the beginning, Wojo's in front of the, the window and he's just like, can't go play ball today. Can't go out in the yard today because it's because <laughs> it's raining so hard. And then the the depression moves from character to character. Like each one has like a little monologue about how depressed they are. And then finally, it like gets to Barney, and Barney just goes fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time you really get to see Barney like lash out because again, I mean, they make a point in kind of hanging a lantern on it in the episode. They're like Barney is normally the level-headed character of the precinct and he loses it and it's and all the characters are taken aback by it i don't blame him to be fair the situation that they're dealing with in this episode is a nightmare i really don't think unless you've had to deal with it people truly appreciate how destructive water is (laughs) like we have friends here and i'm sure you know people where you live because where you live in michigan uh people have basements like they do here right I know people whose basements have flooded, and it's worse than it sounds. It's actually way worse than it sounds. On the street that I live in, one of the rental units, uh, the people who lived in it cracked the toilet. They flooded their entire house, top to bottom. I mean, they had to tear out wall. Yeah, it was insane. I, I helped my friend who owns the property tear out some of the drywall that was molding within 48 hours of it being soaked. And as funny as this episode is, like, this episode looked like it was a nightmare to film to begin with. And then like you see them mopping at the end of the episode. And I'm just like, man, like I could, 
I could tell that they didn't even want to be doing that. <laughs> like, even they, as actors, don't want to be sitting on a on a set that's supposed to be leaking. Like, oh, that just looks awful. It just looked miserable. Well, because they had at least, what, three, four good leaks going on that you yeah. could see throughout the entire episode? Yeah, and then you have... You know, you know, you have the the one scene where the water just comes shooting through, and the the building is settling. And oh, I stake my I'll stake my reputation on it. <laughs> Who will remember if you do? <laughs> Which I found that to be hilarious. Like I'll stake my reputation on it. Well, for all dead doesn't matter. So it, it, I mean, again, it's another episode where the hook of the episode is really good, and it sticks throughout the entire episode. But it doesn't get in the way of telling an interesting story. That has to do with the hook. Cause some of these episodes have a hook that goes nowhere. It's essentially resolved or it's not really a pressing issue. But in this episode, the hook stays throughout and it, and it works as kind of a, you know, omniscient threat to the precinct throughout the episode. And in the third episode that we're going to talk about, Fish, uh, obviously it is focusing right on Fish. Surprisingly, this was not the uh, spin-off pilot. You know, I was thinking like, oh, okay, we're going to get more of this. But I think the, the spin-off comes in 77 and this is 75. So maybe they were thinking about it already, but because he must have been a very popular character right from the get-go. I mean, we've been talking about him since day one. It's, this one is interesting because not only is it Fish and his home life with a different Bernice, which uh, was very strange. A much more um, generically attractive. It's it, it's off. It, it's it's awful recasting because it it's a little. It feels a little shitty to recast the actress, right? I mean, it's like she's the first time she's shown up, right? But I guess she's one and done. This is Doris Baylock as Bernice. And I think this is the only time she ever plays Bernice. So I don't know if the other actress was busy or what was going on. But yeah, this this Bernice does not work. She doesn't have that same nasally voice. She isn't she isn't Bernice. She isn't the one that we expect when we hear about Bernice. And, you know, this woman seems much nicer than the Bernice that we had. But our Bernice will be back. It's really funny to see a different actress playing Bernice and Abe Vigoda still treating her the same way. It's like, dude, why? <laughs> like, it's very, it's very odd because she, you know, um, Florence Stanley is coming back for the TV show. Mm -hmm. And she'll be back in here and on Barney Miller. Yeah. It's very weird. I mean, I guess if you assume that no one is keeping continuity, <laughs> If, if we're not doing what we're doing, which is watching everything at once, I guess it doesn't matter if you catch this as a rerun. Well, very much like how we have the sudden reappearance of the guy who played a priest a few episodes ago, Steve Landisberg, is now being introduced as Arthur Dietrich. And I haven't looked ahead. I haven't, you know, peeked ahead in the textbook to see what's happening in the next chapter. I'm not sure if the next episode will have Dietrich or if he comes back more in the second, or sorry, third season, or what happens with him. So I'm very curious how that's going to go. It's interesting because Dietrich, I haven't looked ahead, like I haven't watched ahead, but Dietrich is here to stay for a, like, maybe not this season, but he shows up through the end of the show. 
No, I know he's a major character, but I just don't know if like they were because you know Chano's not going to come back for season three. So I'm just like, okay, are they already getting vibes that Gregory Sierra is not going to renew his contract, so they're trying to get another guy in, or what is this? So it was interesting that they're like. Were they just so impressed with him as the priest a few episodes ago that they're like, hey, we're going to write a character for you? I don't know either. It is weird for him to come back as a character that is going to have such a presence because Steve Landisberg has for as much as he is just a character actor. And I don't want to besmirch anyone who is a character actor, because as far as I'm concerned, character actors are fucking awesome because, of course, they are without character actors. This business doesn't exist. The fact that Steve Landisberg clearly impressed the producers of the show so much that they brought him back as a main or supporting character, I guess, is wild to me. But at the same time, I love his dry delivery. It's very Stephen Wright. His voice is very Stephen Wright as well. I'm a huge fan of that kind of comedic delivery where it's just very matter of fact, dry comedic delivery. I love that. So I'm okay with it. But again, as someone who, like you and I, have been sitting here watching this show serially, sequentially, uh, it's weird to see him coming back at all. I mean, it was weird to see the female character, her name is escaping me, who played the female cop. It's weird to see her come back, oh, too. because it's like, Yeah, it's like these characters come back and, you know, I guess I'm more used to modern contemporary storytelling where they make a big deal out of it. And on Barney Miller, it's like, oh, there they are. It's like the joke that we keep going back to. Who the fuck was Mike? (laughs) Like, I mean, they made such a big deal out of him. He's never coming back. And I try not to get invested in characters in this show outside of the main ones because it's like, are you going to come back? And if you do come back, are you playing the same character (laughs) or are you playing someone else? Because we've had um, the actor who played the the gay character come back two or three times now. Marty, and he's played yep. the same character. Yeah, every time. But now Steve Landisberg played the priest, and now he's playing Dietrich, and that's who he'll stay through the rest of the show. He'll be back as Dietrich another 122 times. So he's... <laughs> yeah. Like, like I was saying, he's in the show, I think... I don't know if he's part of the final episode, but... The final episode, if the final episode's a two-parter, then he's part of the final episode. So, yeah. Or actually, the final episode's a three-parter. It's wild to me that he becomes such a part of the show that he's in the finale of the show. Yeah, he is fantastic. I was so happy to see him and to have his him introduced. I like the bit where he sounds like Gregory Peck and this whole thing of him shouting at the door and the whole thing of him saying saying the same line a few times about who he is in case you didn't hear it through the door, like because there are multiple doors going on in this. And by the way, he right around this time when this episode dropped, he was celebrating his 39th birthday. He uh, is not 28 years old. That's one hell of an old looking 28 years old, <laughs> yes. my dude. Steve Landsberg, you can't convince anyone that you're 28. <laughs> like, even even us now, you can't convince us. Like, I thought earlier when we were talking about the second season that there are times where it feels like the repeating stuff from the first season. And in this one, I was like, oh, shit. Precinct's out of money again. They're thinking about like retiring the older cops. You know, this is very similar to something that we saw in the first season. And then they actually played upon that a little bit and said, yeah, Dietrich's coming over from the 33rd, you know, where all of these other cops have been laid off. So it's, they're not just like, 
oh, are we going to lose our jobs? It's kind of that with Fish. But then it's also, and we're bringing this character over who otherwise would have been fired from a police job. So at the end of the episode, explain something to me. Does Fish is okay with restricted duty? It seems like it. It seems like He's like, I'm worth more than you guys are on restricted duty while you guys are on normal duty. Yeah, and then it seems like, I don't know if he's going to actually take Dietrich under his wing or not, but I like that Dietrich's like, you have all these commendations, you're a really valuable cop, I want to be that type of cop. I really like that little speech when he was reading off Fish's record and was like, this is what I want to be. You know, it was like, oh, okay, like he wants to be the cop that isn't going to be let go because he is so valuable to the department. And that's an interesting way of spinning the episode like you said i mean it's different than the first way we got it which was like oh everybody's gonna get fired it's like this is the first season of the show (laughs) this is not happening now (laughs) maybe season four or five but not season one where i mean this show obviously not just because we're talking about it now in 2020 but this show was a hit and the show was a mainstay for very long time that's because the quality of the fucking episodes i mean you have episodes like this that Talk about something a little, you know, contemporary, and it gives a character's some background and a a different angle that you don't get to see. You really haven't gotten to see Fish at home. It's unfortunate that Bernice is replaced by a different actress. But at the same time, it's interesting to see Fish at home because Fish at home with kids is not something we've seen up until this point. And I was curious about Emily Levine, who plays his daughter. And I looked her up, and she was known much more as a writer than she was as an actress. I mean, she acted in a few things. She never comes back as Beverly Fish ever again. She was in a series of shorts that all had um, the name Kathy in them. Kathy, Kathy's Last Resort, Kathy's Valentine. I don't think they had anything to do with the cartoon or comic Kathy. Um, But then, yeah, she... Ended up uh, being a writer. She uh, wrote for, I think it was like the second series of Laugh-In when they brought it back in 77. And then she wrote um, all the way up until 94. And unfortunately, she passed away just last year. And it's unfortunate that she's not on the show more. We know Fish is going to be a main character on his own show. I liked her a lot. I thought she was great. I liked the whole thing of... Her walking around with one shoe. I mean, it was kind of like a low blow comedy thing, but it, it, it cracked me up every time that she would move around. Man, that kind of bums me out. I didn't realize she didn't come back. I just kind of assumed that if they're in, in you know, kind of introducing us to Fish's family, that she would come back. Families are so. not safe on Barney Miller. Boy, they are not. Not Especially not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Elizabeth Miller... Credit only for Barbara Barry yet again. So maybe she'll come back one more time this season. Oh my gosh, she is just MIA. Yeah, it's it's weird to me. The the whole Barbara Barry situation, it 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 really sucks. Uh, I think that's the only way of putting it because her chemistry with Hal Linden is so good. Like, you want them on screen together. It's not a, oh, they don't know how to write women characters, which I don't think is entirely the case with this show. I think it's a missed opportunity to really give Barney Miller's character of Barney Miller some some much-needed depth 
and a little bit of kind of warmth because Barbara Barry's character brings out the warmth in how Lyndon's acting and the two of their, their chemistry together is so good. It's like, why, why don't you give her more to do? Like, you keep showing her at the beginning of every episode, give the woman something to do, like bring her out, give her a chance to be on screen with Hal Linden, just let it do its thing because they clearly have a lot of really good chemistry together. And for as many times as Fish mentions Bernice, Barney barely mentions Liz. Like she's just not there even in his conversations. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, Liz expects me home tonight or anything like that. It's like Columbo spoke more about his wife than than Barney talks about Liz. Well, if you're not bitching about your significant other, I guess you don't talk about your significant other. That's all fucking Ava Goda's character ever does about his wife. It's like, why are I I will say it again, why are you married to her? <laughs> You clearly can't explain it to any of the characters on the show, so we're clearly lost as to why you're you're in love with her and married to her, so whatever. Yeah, maybe someday we'll see the real love that blooms between them. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. <laughs> I, doubt we'll, I doubt we'll see Barbara Barry a whole lot in this show, because the show has clearly shown us we're not going to be seeing her a whole lot. So, it's it's odd. I don't know why she's not in the show more. It's it's weird that they even introduced her to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were just like, oh, yeah, and then we'll show his home life and we'll have the struggle that a cop has between home and that. I don't know if they realized how good the bullpen was going to be and that these guys are just all ace players. You know, maybe they thought that it was going to be a half and half show. But yeah, no, it's not. I mean... It is not necessarily the life of Barney Miller. It's more the times of Barney Miller. It is not anything other than when he is in the squad room. They were expecting that they were going to have to show Barney Miller's home life. Joke's on you. So, yes, we will be talking about that next month when we are back with the next episode of The Life and Times of Barney Miller. Until then, Chris, where can people keep up with you, sir? You can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus and on the Internet at a couple podcasts that I work on. Just on Twitter, that's where you can find most of them. Culture Cast, Chronicles from the Crypt, Dreams for Sale, One Season Show, I didn't forget it this time. Uh, scary Stories We Tell on Seagal, too many to count, and I'm not going to, so I just listed them instead. What about you, Mike? Well, you can always find me over at The Projection Booth, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. I want to thank John Walker for providing our theme music. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for actually giving us some reviews over on iTunes, and they're nice. They're not talking about how much we dislike the show and how you mispronounce one of the characters' uh, names. Apparently, nobody got the joke about Kolchak versus Kolchak. Oh, boy. Y'all kill me. Come on. Every time I said Kolchak, Kolchak, or what the fuck was I saying? Kolchak. Oh, well, I was also saying Kojak. Yeah, at some you were all over the place with that. Yeah. Because well, the sorry, show folks. was all over the place with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but, like, it's funny. <laughs> It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't serious. It was it on purpose, serious. but it, it was on serious. purpose, but it wasn't serious, right? Sorry. Now I'm going to get grilled for that. It's fine. 